Welcome to A Thousand Tiny Steps. I'm Barb Higgins, and in this podcast, I'll share personal stories of great joy and tragedy and the steps that brought me there. I have become adept at tracing them backward to find the origin of an event, good or bad, that has affected my life. I have gone from being on top of the world with Division I All-American success to being unable to get out of bed with the grief of losing a child and everything in between. I am painfully honest, which can make people uncomfortable, but discomfort brings growth and oftentimes tragedy brings joy. So tie, buckle, slip on, release up your shoes and join me as we begin our thousand tiny steps. Hey everybody, Barb Higgins here. Episode 17 of my podcast, A Thousand Tiny Steps. As I begin my podcast episode jumping around, let me share that I've been thinking. And I think all the time, my mind goes very, very quickly. And in the beginning days and weeks and months of Molly's death, I did everything I could to shut it off. As the years go along and the time goes along, I'm able to manage sitting in my head a little bit better. Not great. I teach at an online charter school and I just had a welcome call with one of my students and he's a bit older, fourth grader. So for me, that's older, but we had a nice conversation and he answered all my questions well. And his mom said she was so glad to be starting PE because he has ADHD. And so I got to thinking about the fact that I most likely am diagnosed with ADHD myself. I was a child. I didn't seem to meet the criteria, but I do have a mind that goes a thousand miles a minute and a body that needs to move to calm down the mind. And that's very typical of ADHD people. Also makes things like managing grief and such difficult. So as I begin episode 17, two episodes ago, I talked about the holidays and the process, the metamorphosis in our behavior as a family around the holidays after losing Molly and how there were no holidays at all in the beginning and then slowly but surely little bits and pieces of them and modifications of them. And now starting to think about how do we want to do them? Do we want to do them in a consistent way, creating traditions that can suddenly end with the pull of a plug? Or do we want to take it year to year? But we can have the conversation now. Holidays five and a half years in are no longer this black hole of, of panic and disaster because there's no Molly. Let me be clear, they still suck because there's no Molly. The Molly piece will never, ever not make me cry. But as life moves along and we walk along the trail of life and grief, more pockets of joy are able to shine through all the cracks in what we thought our life was and make the trail a bit lighter. Then my last episode was about things and holding on to things. And, you know, it's interesting. Again, people are very, very different. And there are people who are very minimalist and aren't attached to things. An example that comes up in conversation is, do you stay in the house that you lived with your child or do you move? And I would say it's like a 50-50 split when I look at my grief groups. People who just can't stay, they pack everything up and move and start over somewhere else. And then the people who can't leave. And, you know, here I am in my house. I'm very, very attached to this house. And I've had people, close people in my life, suggest I relocate and go somewhere else and start over. And I'm not sure I could do it. Wherever I go, I still want to have here. You know, I'm able to do that financially right now, which is nice. I'm solid enough here that I could keep this house and live somewhere else if I wanted to. But in expanding a little bit on the things, you know, Kenny and I were talking after I finished recording the last podcast, we had some lunch and we got talking about the things. He said, you know, I'm cleaning the garage and I found the wiffle ball and bat that I will never throw away. And that's because the last alive day Molly had, I was in Amsterdam and he Molly and Gracie played wiffle ball in the yard and they had a blast running around laughing. They just had a really, really good time. It was just a time for him to have quality time with the girls that I always had. If I were home, I'm the one that did those things. It was just sort of how it defaulted. 
And then we were thinking about the fence. We have this raggedy fence that I have repainted several times and Molly's always been an integral part of the fence painting. We haven't taken it down. Another reason we haven't taken the fence down is that it is held up right now by these green metal stakes that drive into the ground tied with what was once red rope. And the last week of Molly's life, she helped Kenny with every single one of those stakes. She added, you know, figured out how many they'd need. Kenny said, no, we need this many. Molly was right. Kenny was wrong. We haven't taken the fence down because Molly put those stakes in the fence. And I look at it, there's so much Molly in it that it becomes difficult. We did no yard work for two years. And when I say no yard work, I think we mowed the lawn and that was it. We didn't pull weeds. Even that beautiful garden we had, if it weren't for Robin and my mother and some neighbors, they would never have been weeded. I just couldn't do it. I didn't have it in me. We have the enchanted forest and it grew up. That forest grew almost to my driveway. I have a beautiful lawn back there now, a big, giant, long lawn that maybe I can make into a hockey rink for Jack-Jack when he's big enough to skate. You know, I really look at the things that we do, both to hold on and keep things the same, like, no, 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 no. And then what we have to morph through and alter and rebuild to continue along in life. And these are very difficult things. My fridge, it's covered with pictures and it's got tons of new pictures since Molly's death, but nothing has been taken off that fridge. Her seventh grade quarter two report card remains. It's there. You know, I should probably put it away or it'll disintegrate. But these are the things, the back and forth of grief and how we travel through it and what we do. So now going into this episode, into episode 17, this one will, will air in between Christmas and New Year's. So I hope you all had a good Christmas. I hope it was manageable and fun. And I hope you're looking forward to a good New Year. This time of year, the, the week between Christmas and New Year's has often been one of my favorites, even as a child. It was a break from school, a break from reality. You could play with your Christmas toys. And as a little kid, the big thing for me on New Year's Eve was listening to the Top 100 Countdown, you know, the number one song of the year. And it was usually Dale Dorman, WRKO. And my good friend growing up, Jackie Doré, she and I spent so many New Year's Eves together, you know, eating Rice Krispie Treats and an entire loaf of bread worth of ham and cheese sandwiches. Such, such good memories. You know, all of these things play into my next, this episode. And what I want to talk about here is, gonna, is sort of going to center around the Christmas show. When our life ended, as it once had been on May 7th, 2016, everything continues to go. Gracie was still a high school student. Gracie was still a dancer. Gracie was still in theater. I was still a mother. Kenny still had his kidney issues. Now, my life stopped. I quit everything. I, I stopped everything. The only thing I did with any regularity, other than fill myself with chemicals, was go to CrossFit. And I think that actually probably saved my life. The owner and coach at the time, John Farwell, was the, the main person there. And he's the one that I had known the longest. And he stepped up in such a profound way to make it manageable for me. If I worked too hard, I cried, but I needed to go. So he was, he was super helpful in those beginning months of making me okay. The other thing he did was pull Gracie into CrossFit, suggest that she come. CrossFit became a, a huge piece of her healing as well. For me, it was continuing to go to a place that I had been where Molly was. Gracie and Molly would come and walk John's dog, Corbin, and they'd come to the CrossFit gatherings. They were involved as much as they could. I talked about it all the time. When they saw John Farwell, that's what they called him. Hi, John Farwell. <laughs> like they'd say his whole name because that's how they knew him. For Gracie, that was an, a nice change, something different that she could sink her teeth into. But what was difficult for us at the time were the things that continued along. I'm recording this episode on December 6th. So this past weekend was the Christmas show, which I mentioned at the end of my last podcast. And so Christmas show was a big piece of Molly and Gracie's dance reality. Gracie danced for a couple of years, but Molly's first year of dance, I believe, or perhaps second, was the Christmas show started. They were teeny. They were in the little baby dance, little ballet. And, you know, one class wore pink and they danced on Saturday night and the other class wore blue and they danced on 
Saturday afternoon. And, you know, it was these little, little, teeny little ballet dancers. And when I watch them now and see how unbelievably small they are, I can't believe that that's how little Molly and Gracie were when we started that tradition. So we have, there's a tradition at the Holiday Spectacular where you bring us a canned food item or, you know, food and you get your picture taken with Santa. And this particular Santa's helper has been the same Santa's helper all of the years of the show since 2006. So that's like 16 years of the same Santa. So I have pictures of Gracie and Molly. If I went through, I'm, I'm sure I could find them from every single Christmas show as they get a bit bigger and a bit bigger and a bit bigger. This is a good sort of foundation for this podcast. And I'll use the holiday classic, the holiday spectacular as the example. So life continues on, but nothing is the same because a person that used to be an integral part of everything is missing. When Gracie went back to school, Molly wouldn't have been at Concord High yet. So when she got to school, things could kind of be the same because Molly wouldn't have been there anyway. I didn't do well early in the morning because Molly should have been there. But once, it, once I got home from like CrossFit and I was back in the house, until the school day ended, I was as okay as I could be because Molly wouldn't have been there anyway. This is sort of how things balance out. And, and as you go along, how you or how I, as a grieving mother, learned to cope with the realities of losing a child. As I think back to 2016, Gracie goes back to dance. Well, it's horrifying. At the time, her teachers thought it would be best to not bring up Molly at all. So she felt like she couldn't talk about Molly. That everyone just wanted to forget her. Nothing was right. She wanted to be there because it was a huge part of her life. But when she went there, she couldn't stand it because Molly wasn't there. And the entire fall is getting ready for the holiday spectacular. So it's all this holiday music, Christmas music, dances to the music. Gracie really, really was losing it badly. And I remember speaking to Miss Cindy about it and saying, look, she'll do Mother Ginger because she had been given the honor to be Mother Ginger in that particular number. And it was this huge, unbelievable honor for Gracie. She was so honored to be nominated. And so that year, she just went to ballet tech classes and tech classes that were not Christmas music, but she couldn't stand listening to the Christmas music and going through it. She just couldn't stand it. We made arrangements for her to do different things. And then we were gone most of the month of November because we went to Hawaii. So the first year of the Christmas show, we went and Gracie did Mother Ginger and we left. Like we didn't stay and watch it. It was too much. It was too much for Gracie. She showed up, she did her part and she left. And before the second act even started, we were out. And that was just the reality of it. It was that way with everything. I mean, it was really just going through the motions and trying to, you know, figure out how do we get through the firsts of everything. The second Christmas show or holiday spectacular is the official title. It was a bit better because we decided we would do a, a Molly B basket. They raffle these baskets. People donate. So we won a pizza basket one year. Molly and Gracie's last Christmas show together, they won a basket full of makeup. We still have pieces of that basket in the bathroom. There are these wonderful baskets and you buy tickets and it's a 50-50 raffle and basket raffle and, you know, you win things. And so we decided we'd do a Molly B basket. You know, it was only a year after her death, a year and a half. It was only our second Christmas without her. But it gave the three of us such focus because we could pick things that Molly liked. What would we put in the basket? And it's full of things that she liked. And the basket itself is a Vera Bradley bag. Molly and Gracie had become really wrapped up in Vera Bradley, which people still are. The comforters they got for Christmas, their last Christmas together, are Vera Bradley comforters my mother got for them. Lunch boxes, duffel bags, wallets, makeup bags. It's Vera Bradley. Is, it's just Vera Bradley. And it's beautiful, high-quality stuff. And they loved it. So we chose to do a Vera Bradley bag. And of course, every year the bag seems to get bigger. We toned it down again a little this year. But we fill it with all things Molly. So the makeup and the nail polish and the earrings and the headpieces and the clothing and the scarves and the Molly gear and the books the gift cards to places she liked to eat and go and tickets to shows. You know, we, we do all these things. We fill the basket. It ends up being worth almost, you know, the first few years was maybe five or $600. This year we spent about $1,000 and some things are donated. 
So what we do is it's a three-day raffle. Somebody has to sit with that basket through all three shows. So that's me. And we sit through. And then the last day, we go up with that big, beautiful Molly B basket and we raffle it off. So each year, the Christmas show has become somewhat easier, a little bit less painful sometimes. It depends on what's going on. And each year, something I noticed something different. But for me, the significant piece was the Santa pictures. Because Molly and Gracie, you know, that last year, I just insisted, come on, pictures with Santa. And that, that was the first year that they sort of bought it like, mom, really? And I would always say, look, you're going to love these one day. Not knowing that each picture of that year was the last picture, the last picture of that year. So that was pretty difficult to navigate. That first year, we did the Molly B basket. And when we drew the winner, it was a girl named Peyton Shaw. Peyton had danced with Gracie and Molly for several years before moving out of town and not coming to the dance studio anymore. The fact that Peyton was even at the show was miraculous. And as we have come over the years to realize, we feel that Molly really has a hand in deciding who wins that basket because each year, the person who wins it, I mean, a lot of people buy it, people we know, people we don't know. And each year, somebody significant wins that basket. So the first year, Peyton, we had run into Peyton when we were at JCPenney, where she was working at the time. We were looking for a jacket for Kenny and we were just looking for some things and, and we told her about the show and the Molly basket, all of that. And she had to work, so she couldn't come. Well, at the last minute, she could come, but she didn't have enough money for both the ticket and raffle tickets. Well, then she ran into somebody, Missy Reap, Jagger's mom, who said, oh, Peyton, I have an extra ticket here. And then Peyton could buy one sleeve of tickets. So she bought a sleeve of tickets. And that year we did it by number. I, I see, I just seem to recall that we did it by number, not by the name on the ticket. And so Gracie pulls out the winning ticket and we read it out and it's Peyton. It's me. It's me. It was the most amazing, amazing thing because she wasn't even supposed to be at the show and she wins the bag. The following year was a bit bigger. We put the bag on a little plate and there was a, a bit more to it. The same thing. We do, we do all three days of selling tickets and this year we put names on the back so that you didn't have to be there to win it. You could not be there and still win the basket. And that year, the winner was Missy Reap, the woman that had bought Peyton the ticket the year before, Jagger's mom. Missy and Jagger were a huge piece of Molly and Gracie's dance experience. Jagger was one of the lead performers in It's a Musical, which opened Molly Be the Musical, Molly's memorial service. And as our grief journey traveled along, and as we began to embrace the same things in a different way, Christmas Show really has become a really sort of obvious example of how this process works. Gracie has never been in a play again, other than Elf, which I made her do right after Molly died. And two summers, the summer of 2018, she and I both did Mary Poppins. It was RB Productions did a community theater show that year. They did Mary Poppins. And when we were driving to Florida over death week and everything, I signed up to audition. And Grace is like, no way you're going to audition, mom. And I'm like, I am, I am going to audition. And I did, I got a part. It was interesting. I had a blast, <laughs> but it got Gracie to audition. And it, some of it was peer pressure from her friends. I have a very strong memory of Derek Taylor saying, well, your mom auditioned, you're not going to, you know, or whatever. So she signed up. And so she was in a lot of dance numbers. She was an ensemble piece and they did Jim Chimmery and all of the different, all the different dance numbers in Mary Poppins she was in. It was wonderful. And she loved it. We had a wonderful summer. Theater became something that was too painful for Gracie to do. And so she hasn't. She just, she had made the Concord High School play as a freshman, Anything Goes. And Molly, Molly's plug was pulled a week before that play was to go on and Gracie couldn't be in it. And of course, Clint Close and the entire cast were phenomenal. We went and watched. That was incredibly difficult for Gracie because her whole winter, she was a freshman and she made the play and she was so excited. And she just felt so excited that she had been chosen. And I remember talking with her about it and I gave up everything. So the last thing I was going to do was make Gracie do anything she truly didn't want to do. 
Dance, however, was a lifeline. As painful as it was sometimes, it was a lifeline to everything that Gracie had known. And had she given up dance, she would have come home and sat alone in her room. This house is a very hard place to be for all of us. As much as we never want to lose it, it's a difficult place. The Christmas show, the holiday spectacular, you know, the last one that Molly and Gracie were in was the one that they really felt they were coming of age. Mom, we had so much fun. We had a blast. You know, they were in the upstairs changing rooms and not feeling like the little kids up there. And they, you know, they were in a, a million different numbers. So they had to do all the quick changes that all the big kids do. And, you know, when you're little, you're in one or two numbers and that's it. And that, that's all you do. So this was a phenomenal change. And the pictures, tons of pictures with all their little friends. And the holiday spectacular was, was definitely a journey. In 2008, 17, so that would have been Gracie's junior year, she was in a lot of dances that year. And she had wrapped her head around managing the Christmas music. She still missed a lot of dance, but she also was a much more integral piece of it and, and understood that she could do it and it was important. And she maintained the Mother Ginger role. We did the, the Molly B basket again. So the third year we did it, which was 2019, this was six months after Rachel Hunger died, another CDA dancer. And lo and behold, Gracie pulls a ticket and it was Allison Hunger. And that one sort of stunned the audience because we just couldn't believe that in that huge bucket of tickets, Gracie would, that's the name that she picked. Allie's dad was like, I knew it was going to happen. Didn't surprise me at all. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. And that was a tremendous thing because in the process of Gracie's grief, she lost her sister and Allie lost her sister. And so Gracie and Allie became each other's Rachel and Molly. You know, that's a vague description because Allie is not, Molly and Gracie is not Rachel, but I'll tell you right now, those two, those two are so connected and they really support one another and help each other in their grief because they understand each other's role. And Jen has become an unbelievable second mom to Gracie. And there are times that Allie reaches out and we could talk about things that might be difficult for her to talk about with her own mother. That was an, an amazing year, an astoundingly amazing year. And that was Gracie's post, first postgraduate year, it would have been Molly's junior year. That was astounding. Last year, 2020, there was no Christmas show. Now there was some dance, there was some in-person dance classes. There were a lot of Zoom classes. It was very, very modified, but there was dance. And so Gracie was able to maintain dance and would have done Mother Ginger again had there been a show, but there wasn't. So this year, so now we're at 2021, we're, we're at Holiday Spectacular year six, number six since Molly's death. Gracie is still Mother Ginger. And I think from the bottom of my heart, that's a profound gift on the part of Cindy Flanagan because she knows it well. She's good with little kids. And, and it's just a piece of the show that has been Gracie. Gracie's role as Mother Ginger is the longest running role of Mother Ginger in the Holiday Spectacular. The only other Mother Ginger was Molly Henry. And her sister Katie was offered the role after Molly graduated and said no. So she graduated high school in 2015 and the following December of 2015, Gracie became the second Mother Ginger. So it's significant. The first Mother Ginger's name was Molly. This one was named Gracie. When Gracie was awarded this role in 2015, Molly's first comment was, okay, so when Gracie graduates, I get to be Mother Ginger and it would have gone Molly, Gracie, Molly. So the only other Mother Ginger was Molly Henry, which was before Gracie. Gracie's continued piece of this part of the Christmas show is a great example of how things can change and stay the same at the same time. You know, she graduated in 2019. That should have been the end of it. Had Molly not died, Gracie wouldn't have been in any more Christmas shows. She likely would have been off to college. It just would have been very different. Cindy was very, very willing to let Gracie continue to be a full-time dance student, to teach classes, to participate in shows and competitions and recitals, all of it, as if she had never graduated. And part of it, I think, is this is the year, this past year is when Molly would have graduated. 
Molly's senior year would have had no Christmas show. This would have been horrifying. <laughs> we laugh sometimes about Molly because she would compare, you know, so many things to Gracie, you know, like Gracie gets a seventh grade semi. When do I get to go? Well, when you're in seventh grade, of course, then she died and didn't get to go to her dance. But the Christmas show has been a really a good moniker for our grief process. So last year there was no Christmas show. There was limited dancing. Jack is born. Now we come upon the fall and the Molly B basket and we get to make it once again. And so we do. And we have just as much fun making it as before. It's become a bit easier because we have a list of things that we've included. We add new things. We update things so that it isn't just this lost in time, time capsule of what Molly was like 900 years ago. And we'd sell the tickets. And so in this past year, a teacher from Concord Dance Academy, Diane Peterson, died sadly of a brain tumor. Once again, we have somebody at CDA that we love who's lost suddenly and quickly, unexpectedly. And the kids loved Mrs. Peterson and Molly loved Mrs. Peterson. She was the backstage organizer extraordinaire. She could just keep everything, everything together. So many stories. So her funeral was much like Molly's. It was a, it was a show and it was at the Bank of New Hampshire stage, which is a part of the Capital Center for the Arts now. It's the former Concord Theater. It's been remodeled and it's under the moniker of Capital Center for the Arts. And it was perfect. Mrs. Peterson's name was in lights and the Molly B Foundation helped fund that. This year, we decided that we would do a basket again and that the funds raised from this basket would support a scholarship in the name of Diane Peterson, which her family have started at Concord Dance Academy. So the emotion around the basket for us is always big because it's a way to keep Molly included. And as time goes by, in many ways, it's less sad and more celebratory. And now it's supporting somebody whose death is fresh and whose and the hurt is still very real for, for Mrs. Peterson's family. Once again, you know, sell tickets for three days and Gracie and I take the stage and I'm carrying this heavy basket. And we explain the Molly B basket in honor of Molly who once danced here. But this year, the proceeds are going to support Mrs. Peterson and her scholarship. Gracie reaches in and picks a name and she picked a man named Bill Steff. Bill Steff is Hannah's dad. Hannah Steff is another longtime CDA dancer and employee. And Bill Steff was nominated by Santa to be Miss Cindy's Santa's helper. All these years at the Christmas show at the Holiday Spectacular. He dances within numbers. He's amazing. Gracie and I couldn't even function. Miss Cindy's face here, jaw just dropped. So for the fourth time, the person that wins it is unbelievably connected. This time, not only to Molly, but also to Mrs. Peterson because she was the backstage person. She probably guided Santa onto the stage that first year. She probably reminded him where he needed to be and went. All of these things, all of these things are crucially important to us. As we came home yesterday, you know, it's always emotional at the end of it. Gracie disappears for a bit. We put the TV on, we don't think. But the Christmas show, the holiday spectacular, has come to be a bit of a beacon in our grief journey because each year it's a little bit easier, a little bit more enjoyable. I've watched it before. I sat with Jen Hunger in 2019. That was the fourth one since Molly had died. The first one, I think I sat through and watched the whole thing. I would watch Gracie's dances. No, perhaps I watched it in 2018 because I remember our little cousin Shanoa came and danced around like crazy that year. So I would usher and do things and watch. Yeah. So I did that. I did watch, but I do remember it was just very difficult and it was something that we had to get through. And it was just the beginning of, ugh, you know, with the non Thanksgiving, oh my gosh, the holiday show. Normally this would be the weekend that we would get our Christmas tree sometimes ahead of it, sometimes after it, but always this was really the beginning of the Christmas season for us. It's been difficult. It's not something we can really avoid. Gracie wanted to be a part of it. So now we have Jack Jack and Santa. So this year, the picture of Santa, it went from Gracie Molly, Gracie Molly, Gracie Molly, Gracie Molly, Gracie, 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 
Gracie to Gracie and Jack and a couple of just Jack by himself. And Jack was phenomenal. In another little unique twist, one of our photographer friends, Ray Labby, he photographed Molly's, Molly Be the Musical, and he's Molly's 16th birthday. He's just a good old friend of Kenny's from their vending Pepsi soda days. But he was the photographer. He was called in to fill in this year. He got to take Jack Jack's first ever picture with Santa, and it was phenomenal. In looking at my experiences around the Christmas show and examples in life that represent year after year traditions, things that are inevitably changed, but somehow remain the same, the Christmas show this year has sort of become balanced in that I can go and miss Molly and wish she was here and feel all the things that I once felt, but also enjoy it in a new way. So two other things contribute to this. Molly would have graduated in June. She wouldn't have been here this year. All of her dance buddies really have graduated with the exception of Emelina, who's a senior. Emmy is really the last super, super close, close friend that still exists for Molly's dance squad. The rest of them are either freshmen in college like she is, Derek and Shelby and Tippo, or they're sophomores in college, you know, Meg Nyan, Rachel Budd. A lot of them are gone. They've, they've been gone for a while now. Life is just different. They're gone. For me, the show now is hundreds of little CDA dancers, most of whom I don't know. I know a lot of the littles because I know a lot of the littles' mothers, and Gracie teaches those classes. I know the ones that we give the Molly B scholarship to because, you know, they're scholarship recipients, and so their little faces I know and see. This year, what stood out for me were the costumes. So when you've danced in a show as many years as Gracie and Molly have, They've worn most of the costumes. A wonderful thing Miss Cindy does is she reuses costumes year after year. She'll put a costume to a different dance so it's not exactly the same. And sometimes it, costumes will sit out a year. But years ago, Gracie and Molly were in a dance called Coal Mine, which was a competition dance. And there were these blue sparkly overalls. Well, they're perfect for elf overalls every year since then. And they were little. Molly was a first grader, I think, when they did Coal Mine, maybe second grade at the most. Those blue overalls are now in dances every year. They're with a blue Santa hat and striped socks and a white shirt. And now they make perfect Christmas show costumes. The little ballet costumes they wore, the blue or the pink. Molly and Gracie wore blue. I, I saw those this year again. I look at those costumes and I get a lump in my throat because I remember them. They were in a ballet dance called Hoedown and it was these little pink tutus that were sort of plaid with these suspenders. And I saw those costumes and there's another lump in my throat. The snowman, Molly's Molly's last year, I believe it was her last year, or her second to last year, she was a snowman. She wore the snowman costume. The little red one-shouldered dress. Gracie and Molly both wore that dress in the Christmas show. The maroon ballet dress with the head headpiece. Oh, one of Molly's scholarship recipients, sweet little Bella Spataro. Bella wore that maroon costume, and we found a picture of Molly in this very same costume. That was what stood out for me this year, that the Christmas show and the connection to Molly is now around the costumes that I see and that Molly wore those costumes. It's both a blessing to see new costumes and a fear that the day will come if I'm still around here where none of the costumes will be the same. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if me or the Christmas show <laughs> will be around that long, but I can step out of it now. And for those of you that have lost a child and you're listening to this a year into your journey, please don't put this on yourself. A year into my journey, I, I could barely lift my head up. I didn't watch a single dance at the Christmas show except Gracie doing Mother Ginger. That was it. This is a long process. I sit here feeling such a mixture of emotions because I know I don't, I don't want to ever feel like I'm forgetting about Molly. Mothers carry, I carry a huge burden of grief and I have to keep her alive. That's different now. Keeping her alive is now keeping what she was alive her, and what she is still in the universe. 
in a very non-fiscal way. She still represents love and kindness and help and support. All of those things come through in things like the Molly Basket and the scholarship where she can give people a chance to experience happiness and to have a little taste of what it was like to be her. Gracie has a much different relationship now with the, the Christmas show. The Mother Ginger piece will always, always evoke memories of the first year she did it. Those little kids are now, the little Mother Ginger kids are now, some of them are now the tap dancing elves. Time has gone by. Six years is, a, six shows is a long time when you're, when you're six. Now those kids are 12. They're the middle schoolers. They're, they're the ones that Molly and Gracie were at the end of Molly's life. You know, the middle schoolers and the early high schoolers and the late elementary schoolers, they, you know, they're really coming into it now. That's sort of fun for me to see. I can watch the lifespan of these kids. Another thing that comes to mind is the fact that the people in these kids' lives, the dance teachers, really watch these kids grow up. Kids like Molly and Gracie that start at age two or three and dance until they graduate high school. You know, I look at some of the teachers at Concord Dance Academy, Hillary Fuller, Cindy Flanagan, you know, Miss Jen, Miss Meredith, Miss Anna now. Some of these people, Miss Caitlin, I mean, these people knew Molly and Gracie when they first showed up and they still know them. So Gracie's a teacher now. She's now stepped into the other side a bit. She's still a student in some ways, but she's still a teacher. CDA is just a part of her life. It's a huge part of her life. And I feel that once she's spread her wings and flown a little bit, that if she decides to land back at home, CDA will be, be a big piece of her life for always. And her relationship with the Christmas show is that way. She's a solid mother ginger. She's behind stage now doing the dances on the side for the little kids who can't remember it. You know, she just has a whole different involvement. She's involved with the basket. And now here's Jack. I think sometimes Gracie can often feel like the girl with the dead sister and the girl with the little baby brother. And how about just being the girl? And I do think that when she's on stage, it really is all about Gracie. And that's also a wonderful piece. So much of this part of my grief, I'm five and a half years in now. So much of dealing with grief is balancing out how to hold on to things and keep things the same in a way that provides safety with how to let go of things and move along in a way that allows growth and relationships are that way. You know, Kenny and I continue to live our parallel lives. Our relationship is very complicated and very tricky and not necessarily fodder for a podcast in this light when we're talking about Molly, but we do the very best we can to parent our children. And that includes parenting Molly and Molly's memory. We struggle, we live parallel lives, we share a home, and we're good friends and we do the best we can to be kind to one another. And it isn't always easy. We have a lot of baggage and all of our fixing of our baggage just came to a screeching halt on May 1st and, that, and it was over. I have friendships that I no longer have. I no longer am friends with my friend Robin. I'm no longer friends with my friend Steph. I'm no longer connected to Bo cross country. Those things came to screeching halts as well. Not necessarily related to grief, but all unbelievable examples of the fact that Losing a child doesn't stop your life from continuing and from bad thing, other bad things happening to you. My friendship with, in relationship with Roy, all in all, we have a 12-year history together. And it's been at times contentious, as it is now. We don't speak at all right now. That's the way that that needs to be. At times, it's been supportive from a distance. Are you okay? I hope you're okay. I'm okay. His life is moving along, and I hope it's moving along in a good way. My life is moving along as well. I also feel that that all came to a screeching halt. Roy and Amsterdam and our friendship and our time together will always, always be connected in a huge way to Molly and will always be a part of the story. It's not fair. I can't pick and choose what to talk about and what to leave out. The school that I started with, the special ed school here in Concord, Parker Academy, I have no connection to that school now. It's a wonderful school, but it isn't a place that I should be. And so I'm not. 
the things that are the same in my life, I'm still an educator. I've come back to my online job at VLAX. It's a wonderful job for me and a school with an amazing philosophy that quite honestly is centered on, centered on love. You can't really talk about love <laughs> in the context of running a school, but the qualities of this particular business and how employees are expected to treat themselves and one another and their students and their families is built upon kindness and empathy and love and, and support, 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 and relationships, relationships, relationships. So I'm glad that I have that in my life. That went away for a while and is now back. Whether it lasts for a long, long time, I don't know. CrossFit has been a staple for me. This is another example of something that was in my life before Molly died and remains in my life. I am completely free of any sort of pharmaceutical assistance in my well-being. I don't take medicine to sleep. I don't take antidepressants or anti-anxiety medicine. I take a lot of supplements. I still border the fence on alcohol consumption, and I just have to be honest about that. I'm very, very, very adept at parceling it out so I don't overdrink. If I do overdrink, you know, I have a baby, so I have, to, I have to be very careful about that. I have to drink a lot of water and, you know, not go to sleep under the influence of alcohol, which I don't do at an extreme measure ever. I'm a very, very light sleeper, so not taking a sleep, a sleep aid is difficult for me sometimes. I have a hard time sleeping. I had four hours awake last night, 12.30 to 4.30 wide awake. But that is what it is. What's changed for me in this process is I don't have to do that anymore. Anyone that has suffered trauma, so I came into losing Molly as a trauma-based person. People that have suffered trauma, severe trauma, and have that anxiety and depression around trauma end up being people pleasers. And it's because when you have a traumatic experience that makes you feel unloved or question your value, and any sort of child abuse makes the child wonder, what did I do wrong? What's wrong with me? And that's a very hard feeling to let go of. Sadly, there are people in the world that are predatory that look for people like us, look for people that have these issues to attached to because I'm easily malleable. I'm easily manipulated. And so I say yes to a lot of things I should probably say no to. I help people sometimes at my own expense. I get involved in relationships that are unhealthy. I develop trauma bonds where I'm afraid to let go of somebody because the bond I have with them is based on trauma. So I have a hard time sometime in friendships. When it comes time to really naturally move on, it's difficult for me. And Molly's death has only probably exacerbated that and make, made it worse. Some of my consistent friendships, and I'm going to do a whole podcast episode on the people in my life, before Molly, during Molly, and now. Some of those friendships, friendships that have morphed since Molly's death, I've reconnected with my cross-country and track and field teammates from BU, and that came around out of a death. Our track coach, our coach died, and so that brought us together. That's been a huge support for me in my grief. I'll end this podcast now, the Holiday Spectacular podcast, with saying my main focus here is that all of us in our grief have things that we can let go of and forget about and never go back to, and things that are going to continue for us no matter what we do, and we have no choice in it. So while I've given up celebrating my birthday and acknowledging it, people still wish me a happy birthday, but I don't do anything to celebrate it, and I don't know that I ever will, and I can control that. Yes, July 29th will come around year after year after year, but I don't have to make it a big deal. I don't have to say it's my birthday, do this. If I do bring, bring attention to it, it's primarily to use my birthday as a fundraising effort for Molly. That's the only way I'm willing to sort of use my birthday for anything. Things like the Holiday Spectacular, the dance recitals that are the same, the high school graduations, the things that happen, all of the life things that happen that I have no control over stopping or actually participating in become a chance for me to grow and become sort of a beacon and a moniker 
as to how I'm doing. Like when you're, when your kids grow and you put lines on the wall to see, you know, the woodwork to see how tall they are year after year. I can look at the holiday spectacular. I can look at watching Concord High School graduations. I can look at the dance recitals. I can look at Gracie's concerts that she sang in. I can look at these things now and step outside of it a little bit and see that in the process of going through them and experiencing them year after year, how I manage them and how they make me feel show my signs of growth in my grief and that I'm beginning the process of putting it together so that I can use it in a good way. So this episode is airing in between Christmas and New Year's. So to all my grieving families, to all my angel moms that I know, to all my beautiful, beautiful online friends whom I've never met, to my friends in the nest, my spiritual mentoring group, to my local friends, to anyone I know who's suffering anything right now, any kind of loss. This is a great week in between these two ridiculous holidays that we have to, that we have to celebrate even when we don't want to. And when I say ridiculous, mostly I mean the commercialization around them. You know, Christmas has become such a materialistic holiday and New Year's is all about party, party, party. So in between this time is this downtime that as a kid, I always liked. It was never a, a bad time for me. Surprisingly enough, none of my abusive experiences happened during Christmas. I can look back on all my Christmases in a very positive way. In this week, I know when the week comes for me, I, what I tend to think about, I tend to take a breath and sort of just be mellow. Typically, there's no work. I'm a school teacher, so it's vacation week. This is always a week I could settle down. It's often a week I clean so I can look at my belongings. But I think this year, this will be a week where I'll really ponder how do I carry Jack along with me as I begin to grow in my grief around Molly. He is a pleasant distraction, I have to say, and has made my thoughts about Molly much more meaningful and purposeful because he becomes a piece of the equation. He was a blast at the Christmas show. We brought him in to watch one of them, one, you know, the Saturday afternoon show, and he loved it. He loved all the lights. He reached out and he danced, bounced up and down to the music. He loved it. And he's a piece of it now. He's a piece of the Molly basket now. Little Jack items in there now because he's here and he's a part of what makes us as a family. I don't know what it is for you, what event, what happening, what TV show, what movie, what birthday, what wedding, what celebration, whatever it is in your life that comes up year after year that is honored and celebrated year after year, what it is for you in your path to cope with whatever sadness and anxiety you have. For me, not surprisingly, it would be Cindy Flanagan and her Holiday Spectacular because it's such a community-wide event that's geared to giving. All that money she raises supports a small theater, our local city auditorium that, that needs supporting. It supports the food pantry. We often collected toys that went for Toys for Tots. There were so many, we've done so many things for charity in our community through this holiday spectacular. Use a celebration time to give to those who need, need our help. And we gave money to Mrs. Peterson and we could remember Molly doing it. For those of you that celebrate Christmas, I hope it was a good one. For those of you that celebrate Hanukkah, that was a couple of weeks ago. I hope that was good for you. I hope those of you that are suffering grief, missing someone that should be there can find a way to do it each year that's a little bit easier and a little bit better. And when you have years that you can't, when you have years that suck, when the wave of grief floods Christmas away or Hanukkah away or the New Year's away, let it flood it away. There's no rule book that says every year has to be better. I really don't know. Recording this, Christmas hasn't come yet. I know that we'll be on the road and in Florida, so I'm not sure how it will be. But I do know that it will be the way it is supposed to be. It will be Christmas 2021, Jack's first, our sixth Christmas without Molly, almost halfway through her life without her, which is difficult to even say. The end of this podcast, as usual, be good to yourself. It's been a month of eating 
Christmassy foods and holiday foods and alcohol consumption for those of you that drink and all those things. So have a healthy snack, drink a lot of water, go for a walk, reflect and ponder, find joy where you can and accept sadness where it is, process through it. Let yourself be sad if you need to. But as always, as I always say, have a great day, everybody. Hey, thanks for listening and for supporting A Thousand Tiny Steps. I hope you enjoyed the episode and will continue to listen. Feel free to leave a review and share my stories with your friends. Also, please reach out if you have stories to share. I love hearing from and connecting with my listeners. If you would like to know what I'll be talking about down the road, you can find me on Instagram at barb underscore 444, on Facebook as Barb Higgins, and at my website, www.1000tinysteps.com.